What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Martin. Um, okay, this is this is going to be an interesting one because the Nuggets um, had a game where they sat Michael Porter Jr. Uh, it was against the uh, Sacramento Kings. And I think that we need to get to a point where we have a, a interesting conversation about Mike. You know... I'm going to separate Mike from the th- words he's, and I, I know that's hard, but I'm going to be separating Mike, the the player, from the person who I have disagreements with and just talk about him as a player and his effect on this Nuggets team. Um, we're going to talk about the Sacramento game to in the first half, and then the second half, I'm going to talk about how we need to change our approach with how we talk about Michael Porter Jr., because we treat it as if he is a, rather than being a, a very important cog in this machine that is the starting lineup, we treat him as if he is outside of it, and uh, we need to readjust that. But first, the Nuggets sat Mike, uh, against the Kings, which is an interesting choice. Um, one of those things that I Mike played had played 52 games before that. The Nuggets have played 53 games now, and um, this was the first game he missed. If you saw him, you know during the game or anything like that, you you would know that he probably was not happy about that. I think Mike was very proud of the fact that he had not missed a game. One of the things that was very clear in the lead-up to the Lakers game was that the Nuggets had, like, three days off. And um, that three days off really did him good, and he came out and scored 27 points in the Lakers game and hit what essentially was the game-winning shot. And uh, that sort of thing is, is important to the context of probably the Nuggets' judgment in, in resting him against the Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, what the Nuggets also missed was Kentavious Caldwell Pope, KCP, uh, who was feeling like Kentavious Caldwell Poop, so he is has not played the last several games. Um, he is, has got a hamstring, I think, which is really hard to come back from. But fortunately for the Nuggets, they've been able to more easily overcome the absence of KCP than they have that game against the Kings. Now, there was a lot of different factors there. The Nuggets were down to just Jokic or Murray on the second back night of a back-to-back, um, and basically it was just it was just Jokic who was showing up in this game. I mean, it really was a bad effort from all involved. But one of the things that I really stuck stood out to me was how bad the Nuggets' offense looked, despite Jokic being out there. Some of that, once again, acknowledging that they were on the second night of a back-to-back. But it was very evident to me that they were able to overcome KCP not being out there. But once both of them were out, um, very specifically Mike, the Nuggets offense was dreadful. And I think one of the things that we've seen is that as much hype as Peyton Watson has got, it is very clear that teams do not respect his shooting. And the Nuggets, the spacing in the Kings game was terrible. Some of that had to be had to do with KCP not being there too. But in and in, in, in Sacramento's not the the best defensive team in the NBA. 
but they kind of knew that without those two out there, they weren't going to really have to guard the three-point line and and really respect at all Justin Holliday's or uh, Peyton Watson's shooting. You know, and it was dramatically different. The Nuggets fundamentally looked different. They looked kind of like that 2022 team um, that lost in the first round versus the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. They looked like that team. Uh, the team that had uh, Faku Campasso and, uh, uh, you know, Rivers and uh, Austin Rivers and, and, and guys like that on the team. And none of the people, uh, none of the opposing NBA play- teams really respected the Nuggets' ability to overcome the lack of both Murray and Porter out there. And what you saw against the Kings was a, a Nuggets team that couldn't, that had a terrible offense, offensive process and were bogged down, particularly by the time you get to the second quarter. The Nuggets just looked like they didn't know what to do. And a lot of it, other than Jokic, was Jokic couldn't free anyone up because there's just, frank, quite frankly, there was just nothing, no respect being paid to Peyton Watson and Justin Holiday. Some of this is Justin Holiday. Some of it is Peyton Watson. Peyton Watson is in his second year, and this is effectively his rookie campaign because he only played like four or five games last year. Um, this year, uh, you've got Peyton Watson, who's got substantial amount of minutes, and you've got Justin Holiday there, who has is is not the best of the Holiday brothers. You know, just put it bluntly. So the Nuggets weren't in a position to dictate anything, and they looked terrible. But very specifically, when it comes to Mike's presence out there, you could feel that there just wasn't the same, that the the Kings just knew coming in that MPJ was not going to be there, and it changed the Kings' whole approach. And what you have seen uh, with this is how Mike's fundamental effect on the gravity of, of the, and I hate using that word, but you know, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I hate the buzzwords that go through the NBA. Um, but there really is a, a, a gravity to Michael Porter Jr. that we, I think, a lot of fans have missed. And I will also point out Michael Malone has missed it. The relationship and the dichotomy, not dichotomy, the the dynamic, why did I say dichotomy, um, between uh, MPJ and Michael Malone is fascinating because I think it is a very uneasy relationship uh, by all outward appearances. And I think Malone has had a hard time coming to grips with what Mike does. And I want to point out something. The man has had three back surgeries. And he, the last one wasn't, wasn't the same as his other two procedures that he had, but it was still, you know, technically a surgery. And what happens in that scenario is that each surgery you have is invasive. Okay. And as much as you're trying to repair what you've got, there's side effects from having invasive surgery. You, the, the muscles need um, atrophy. They need to be built up again. Um, the, you need to learn how to, oh, like specifically with Mike, deal with drop foot, um, which is something that Phil Collins has, um, which made him un, un, unable to drum anymore. So it, it is debilitating. And Mike wears a harness on his leg to compensate for his lack of 
um, because the drop foot kind of like it's one of those things where it just kind of it, it's it is what it says in the thing. It, it, it your foot will stop basically stop working and you'll drop and uh, it is it's due to nerves. And uh, the reason I'm able to speak on this is because my mom had a very similar surgery 20, 25 years ago. And, uh, you know, it laid her up for a long, 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 long time. And she didn't have to, she wasn't an athlete. Anyone who's listened to CSG the last, you know, what, what, three years will know when I've talked about this. And some athletes have had it too. And I've had a friend who had, uh, uh, back surgery too, and he had something similar. It is a byproduct of these things. The reason I point this out is that someone who is um, coming back from three back surgeries has went through an entire year last year relatively healthy. I think he had an ankle issue, um, but he went through that healthy. Um, he did something to his ankle early in uh, preseason this year. Missed, well, actually, he was in camp and missed all of preseason. And, and had to work himself essentially into the year, um, but has not missed a game until that Sacramento game. Not missed a game. And you could tell Mike was very proud of this, you know, through whatever ups and downs that he's had with playing and shooting. In, in singularly, somewhat his health probably affects him and the way he's feeling probably affects him more than any player on the roster. Um, you know, you could see Jokic, he's, he's just a fucking Iron Man. You know, nothing bothers him as far as that stuff goes. Uh, he's got his own um, orbit. But the the Nuggets um, with Mike, Mike's been out there through come hell or high water every single game this regular season. He was extremely proud of it. This, this being the first game that Mike has missed all year, it was stark, and it was really, really noticeable him not being out there in the starting lineup. It it was just 100% noticeable. Um, that's no slight at Peyton Watson or Justin Holiday, but neither of those guys is able to do what Mike does, um, which makes this Nuggets team and decisions they make in the future extremely interesting. Um, when teams aren't a, you know, and it, it, look, the bench unit's terrible, but what you saw against the Lakers was Mike was able to go out with the bench and provide some scoring. Um, and it wasn't necessarily just Jamal being out there, but it was Mike and, and what he does was able to help lift that second unit. Um, Mike's role on this team is very unique. And is very hard to replace because he is six foot ten, six foot eleven. He's very long, can shoot. Um, he's in that Danilo Gallinari, Richard Lewis category. I mean, those guys are unique in the way they were able to approach things. Um, a lot of people have made the Richard Lewis comparison, um, which is probably apt. Um, I, my envisioning of uh my of mike has always been he could be a super version of danilo gallinari if he posted more and which he can do um but we have we are now to the point with with mike to where we we as nuggets fans and i'm going to get to this in the second half need to appreciate him and his role in this team. We need to adjust the way we look at the way the Nuggets are constructed because 
this is a Tim Connolly thing. Then Mike was brought in as an extra, but became integral despite all his, his surgeries, despite the fact that he hasn't consistently been out there. And I think we as Nuggets fans, and I think Michael Malone specifically, have probably are beginning to adjust our view of, of MPJ and what he does for this team that makes the Nuggets fundamentally unique to most every team in the NBA. So... We'll get to that in the second half, but first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block, they are always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up in two days as of this recording. So if you are happen to be going to lower downtown, weather this week until we get to, I think, about Friday is going to be pretty good. So uh, why don't you head on down to the dairy blog? If you're going to be going to dinner, um, take someone with you. Go to uh, the dairy block before you go to your uh, meal, if you're going to be in the lower downtown area, and um, get a, get a drink. Get a nice glass of wine before you head down there. It's a great atmosphere, great location, and they've got great red and white wines. Uh, I would suggest you try the Pinot. They've also got partnerships with Western Slope Wineries. They've got a location in Fort Collins, so if you're up north, take a take a trip down there. Um, and they are also got a location in Golden and one uh, in their original location in Sonoma County, California. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazie in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field or in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. I have been waiting for you know, many years now since Mike was drafted for the light bulb to go on over Michael Malone's head. Because, as I've pointed out several times, the relationship is not what I would call the most peacefully coexistent type. They are they they have different ways of looking at basketball. Mike is a pure hooper. Um, Michael Malone is a, um, as I've said, the best way to describe Michael Malone is there's a reason that he liked Faku Campasso so much. And by the way. Malone was the reason that the Nuggets brought uh, Campasso in, and uh, uh, he is that uh, smaller, overachieving guard, you know, uh, who, you know, one of those guards that really puts energy into the defensive end and all that stuff. That's that's probably legitimately who Michael Malone is as uh, someone who approaches basketball that way. So you've got the natural talent and ease, um, despite all of his injuries of Michael Porter Jr., and you've got the the uh, person who uh, puts a lot of work into everything in Michael Malone. And there's probably a reason like Malone and Jamal Murray have such a close relationship. There's a very, there's a very fundamentally a kinship approach to both of the ways they look at basketball. Jamal's not tremendous at defense, um, but he is a guy who is just, you could see, as I've said a thousand times on this podcast and in writing, you can see every fiber of Jamal's being going into every play he makes on the court. You could see it. You could see the work. You can see the effort. 
Um, coming back to Mike, we are now at a point where we have to acknowledge the the unique fit and what Mike does can't be easily replaced. There have been there's the the discourse around Mike is always weird um, because people always think that they could do better and they then they look at the contract. I mean, by the time we get to the end of this contract, his his deal is going to look really affordable. Uh, it's just the way the NBA works, you know. And by the end of his deal, we'll be hitting a new TV deal, and it's it's going to look completely different than it does now. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, you can understand why there's frustrations. The, the defense isn't always there. Um, the 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 mindset isn't always there for people. You can see why Michael Malone maybe not jive with him in in terms of mental approach to the game. But one thing we fundamentally saw against Sacramento uh, was the Nuggets' offense just looked terrible. And it looked terrible because Mike wasn't there. And a little bit of KCP. But it was mostly Mike. Remember, they had beaten the Lakers the night before. Um... And, and on Kobe night. So, eh, I mean, come on. But um, the, 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 pro, the, the, the way we look at Mike needs to change. And it needs to be less about Mike the individual than more about what Mike does that you can't replace. Length, uh, shooting, gravity, you can tell teams respect him, his shooting. There's a bunch of things that he does. He does rebounding, and he just gets blocks. There's things that Mike does that just don't get the the doesn't get the flashy blocks like uh, Peyton Watson does. You know, he 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 just he does what he does, and I believe it or not, it just goes under the radar. People don't fully are not fully cognizant of what Mike's doing out there because he's so casual about it. It's so easy for him to do it. People focus on missed shots and when he doesn't score. But when even when Mike's not scoring, he is still providing what he does to the offense. This isn't like J.J. Redick or Kyle Korver or just, you know, three-point sharpshooters like that. Mike is long. Mike is is hard to defend. And he his his role on this offense is to make it what it is outside of Jokic and Murray and I think people get caught up in production they get caught up in numbers but once you and you saw this against Sacramento once Mike wasn't in the lineup that offense looked terrible and it was so striking how that offense even with Jamal out there looked like the 2022 offense when Mike and Jamal weren't out there it just, it looked bad. It looked discombobulated and stuck in the mud. And it looked like the second unit, despite Jokic. I mean, the only reason that game uh, didn't fall apart quicker was because Jokic was doing everything, you know? And uh, he could only keep that up for so long. Remind me of the, uh, of the, the Warriors series in 2022. There was just only so much Jokic could do. The Nuggets needed to probably, and, and, and Nuggets fans probably needed to look at Mike in a completely different way than we do. 
we look at the individual and not in the guy who is kind of the reason the secret sauce that makes this offense work and it won't make it work in this fundamental way it doesn't matter if he makes or misses shots you know with all due respect to the guys over at dnvr they talk a lot about mike missing shots but the nuggets were able to win games with mike missing shots okay and usually mike's um Mike's contributions um, make a good offense extremely, extremely dynamic. And you need an extremely dynamic offense if you are not going to be a shutdown defensive team. And with Jokic, unfortunately, the Nuggets will never be a shutdown defensive team. Um, and so what you got to do is have a really dynamic great offense and one of the things that people miss last year Mike had a terrible numbers wise finals but damn sure that the Miami Heat had to respect Mike even though he was missing a ton of shots they had to respect his shot every single time if Mike wasn't out there you know I don't know how that series would look Nuggets would have won but I probably sure was it wasn't going to be a five game series like it was Michael Porter Jr. adds something he adds something unique, and he adds something that you just can't replace. There is no one out there who can do what Michael Porter Jr. does. He's very unique to him, uh, particularly in the modern NBA. People compare him to Clay Thompson. I have told people this over and over. The comparison to Clay Thompson is completely... Um, and this is coming from the Nuggets, by the way, because the for as, for as long as I can remember since Mike has been here, the Nuggets have been talking about Clay Thompson with him. Clay Thompson is six foot seven, a lot quicker, smaller, and uh, is fills a role on that uh, warrior filled, I should say, were a role on that Warriors team that wasn't necessarily what Mike does on this team. What Mike does on the Nuggets is very unique to his size, and Clay Thompson never rebounded like Mike does. You know, didn't block shots like that, but he was a great perimeter defender, which is not Mike at all, as we all know. But he is certainly someone who gives the Nuggets that added thing, along with Jokic, that's just really interesting. You know, the most normal NBA player on this Nuggets roster, well, two, two, two of those guys, well, three. I would say three of the starting lineup are very, very unique. Um, not unique, but very um, normal NBA players. And that's uh, Gordon, Murray, and KCP. They're very normal, modern NBA players. Um, they give And they do them well. I'm not disparaging them at all. They do what they do at an excellent level, okay? Particularly Murray and Gordon. Um, they do what they do at a superb level that, you know, it makes the Nuggets what they are. The unique ones are Porter and Jokic. Uh, Mike, Mike's size and ability to shoot is something that you just don't see. You just do not see that. And that sort of thing, along with Jokic in tandem, makes the Nuggets starting lineup as deadly as it is. And I think we as Nuggets fans need to take a look at this and understand that what Mike does with all of his foibles, like I said, I have separated the stupid stuff he says to the side, okay? The other stuff, the 
basketball player stuff. He sincerely wants to be to be a great, you know, someone who could really fit into this offense. And he has done extremely uh, as so much this year. Hasn't pouted. He has even uh, has a few games where he didn't close the game. He's been okay. Um, he just has those all all those going for him, and he's played all but one game this year, which is incredible, considering that he's had three back surgeries. It is absolutely incredible what he has done. And I think we, including Michael Malone and the Nuggets coaching staff, are starting to maybe come to the realization that that Mike is more valuable uh, to the Nuggets specifically and gives them something that makes them different than a lot of NBA teams. His ability to do what he does makes the Nuggets that much more special along with Jokic. And I think maybe we should train our brains to that direction because you saw the Nuggets with Peyton Watson. You saw the Nuggets with Justin Holiday. Now, the feeling has always been that the Nuggets could eat, could just replace Mike with a shooter. Um, and quite frankly, you're not going to be able to find a guy who's going to be able to shoot like Mike out there. It's just, you can't find it. There's a reason the Nuggets paid him what they paid him. Now, it's it, there's a lot of stuff that went into it, but there's a reason that happened. So, the Nuggets will go into this next game, and I think he is going to play against the Bucks tonight. So we'll look forward to seeing Mike out there and um, see what that even more rest has done for him because the last time the Nuggets played was Friday. So it's Monday. Um, see if the Nuggets are just are going to be able to get that much better. Um, and having a full you know, starting lineup against the Bucks, maybe that will you know, kind of break them out of that kind of a no-energy bad game that they had against the uh, Sacramento Kings. So, all right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest more cast. I'm going to be back in a few days with another episode. Goodbye.